Well, we have been working through the Advent season and been kind of moseying along week after week and, and working through that. I don't know if you realize or not, but we started right after Thanksgiving, and we've been progressing each week um, through the different candles, the lightings, and they, each week has had a, a theme that we've been following along. And if you've been with us, you know Jared started us off, and, and he did hope, right? Jared did hope, and then there was peace, and then there was last week, joy, and this week we're going to do love, right? And so working through these, and again, if you start looking in the Bible at any one of these, you'll see that there is a lot of material, there, it's throughout the, woven throughout the scriptures all, in almost every chapter in some way, shape, or form, these are, are in there. And it's not hard to come up with, uh, you know, verses that have those in them, but it can be difficult to, to bring them into a message and also get them to hopefully encourage you. Uh, one of the things I'm just going to be open and honest, and as I am most of the time, I just want to let you know, my goal is, when I'm given a message, is to, to hopefully encourage you or to spur you on to do something with it. Sometimes when we come to church, we get very passive, and we just, we just sit here and we receive, and then we go out and we're not changed, right? Or, or we don't know what to do with it. It's just like, okay, it's information. It was good. It was a nice message, and the kids sang, and they, we sang together, and part of our worship, but if it doesn't change us or help us move forward in our walk with Christ, then I feel like we've left something on the table. And so that is my hope and my prayer, and, and it's going to be a continuation of that on into 2023, if the Lord allows. And so I just kind of wanted to put that out there, and as we're looking at love this morning, certainly we're going to look at a number of passages, uh, because there's a lot on love, but hopefully we're going to learn how to love lavishly, right? To lavishly love on someone. Not enough just to love, but to love lavishly. And so that's kind of the, the theme of, on top of the love this morning, is to do that lavishly. And so kind of taking a step back, why do we love? And so, again, the scripture should come up there shortly, but John 3.16 was part of our reading this morning, part of our Advent, and um, I was, Tony, I was with you. I know it's, it's difficult, right? Because as a kid, I know Tony grew up in Sunday school as well. We tend to go back to the, the King James, right? It's hard to do it in the, the newer translations, right? We, we want to go back to the, the these and the thou. But again, it, it, scripture says, it's for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life, right? It's one of those verses when you're, you're small that you learn fairly easy. You see it often. You know, speaking of sports, there's a, a number of years ago, Tim Tebow used to, to wear it on his, his eye patch right underneath his eyes, his eye glare, right? But you'd see it in stadiums everywhere because it's, it's a great message. And John 3.16 is a good verse, and certainly you should know it, but there's more to that verse than just knowing of it. But it's the beginning of our faith, right? God so loved us, right? And Joe mentioned it earlier, not that we deserved it, but he loved us so much that he gave us his one and only son. Christmas, that's why we're celebrating, right? The, the birth of Christ, the coming of our Savior. 
And again, if he just came for that reason alone, that would be more than enough. But there's so much more than that. He came and also gives us hope of eternal life. The second part of that, that verse. Now you may know John 3.16 really well, but do you know John 17, 3.17? Uh, you know me, I love context and keeping things together. Well, 17 explains a little bit more of verse 16. And so they're important to keep together. And 17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Salvation is through Him and Him alone. Right? God had a purpose in when He sent His Son for us. There was a clear message there. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't something that happened by chance. God purposely, because He loved us so much, sent His Son for us. And all we have to do is believe in Him. Right? We talk about belief and our, our faith. And again, this is written to believers. This is written for us today. This still doesn't change. This message is still the same, and it's the key or the cornerstone to our salvation. Right? Jesus is the only way to heaven. He came because he loved us. He made the sacrifice. Verse 18, it says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Right? We have to believe that Jesus Christ is our Savior. That's, a, that's paramount to our foundation. Now He died on the cross for our sins, and then He rose again. The gospel, the basis, the reason for Christmas at all, as a believer. And so, based off that platform, or off that foundation... Like I said, what do we do with that, right? We, we're saved, we're, we're believers, we're Christians. What do we do with that now, right? God's certainly given us all of his love, the greatest gift. He's given us that love. But what do we do with that from there? Where do we go from there once we are saved? Well, take a journey with me. We're going to take a little journey this morning and turn with me or up on the screen. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. We're going to start there. You're going to have to bear with me this morning because I've got to flip through this the old-fashioned way through my, my Bible here, and I've got some tabs, but not all of them. So here we go. But 1 John chapter 2, right? This is sometime later. This is obviously after Jesus has come and gone and back with the Father, and John is writing this letter near the end, right? He's coming near to the end of his life, and he's writing this after all he's seen, and he's talking to churches, again, to those believers, and he's encouraging them, especially the church in Ephesus where he writes most of this letter to, he's encouraged these believers to do something now based on the fact that they are believers. And so you have this love, right, that God's given us, and then, so what do we do with it, right? Well, first we're going to start off with, with, with what not to do with it. Sometimes that's helpful to begin there. So verse 15 tells us very clearly, it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Now, at first glance, that looks kind of harsh. We say, wait a minute, don't love the world. Hold the love, right? Wait a minute, we're, we're in this world. We can't get away from it. We're told to love, but are we to love everything? 
I don't ask rhetorical questions, right? Are we, are we to love everything? No, right? <laughs> right? What are some of the things that we're not to love? Sin? Someone just, someone, that was an easy one. Someone put that one right out of the, pretty easy, right? Oh, huh? Money? Yeah, the love of money? Yeah, that can be, be problematic. Material things, right? Those things are all part of the world, right? Anything else? Sin, yeah, we mentioned sin. False gods, idols, yeah. Wow. Steve. If it becomes an idol, you're absolutely correct. I was staying away from all the football, and Steve just went right to the heart. Good, good say. They are. Right, but there are things that get in the way. And again, anything that gets in the way of our worship of God, and if we put too much stock or too much love in it, it's wrong. And that's what John is talking about here. There are things that get in the way of our worship. It gets in the way of our relationship with Christ. And again, when we put anything above the Lord, we're in trouble. As believers, we're, we're, we're not focused. We're not heading in the right direction. We can be led astray very easily. And so the warning is not without cause. And anything can cause us to go into trouble. And he gives us a couple of examples. One of the, the first and foremost, he says, for any, everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes from the Father, does not come from the Father. Whoops, I knew I read that wrong. It's not from the Father, but from the world. You know, you read something or you say something, you're like, wait a minute, I know that's not quite right. Yeah, left out a key word there, right? But with our eyes, right? We, we look at it, we, we, we talk about this often, lusting, right? We, we start playing with it a little bit much, and we start focusing in on something that's not of God, and we can be led astray very quickly, right? The lust of the flesh, things that take us away from even fishing, if it takes us away from the Lord. I think it goes deeper here, because he also mentions in that same sentence in that same area, he talks about pride, right? right? It goes hand in hand quite often. Our pride and our flesh and sin, they all seem to be in that same circle, and they tend to be those things that lead us astray. And he says, those things do not come from the Father. If you were with us with men's group yesterday, we actually talked a little bit about this in James chapter 1. We were talking about the flesh and those things that tempt us and, again, focusing on the right things and not getting led astray. We, we spent some time there. I, just, I always let the, you guys know that we do things on the men's bef- besides eat bacon because sometimes that's all we advertise. But we actually do study God's Word and we spend time um, doing that in prayer and Bryce is doing a good job leading us there. But James chapter 1 obviously coincides with this the same way. Verse 17, God, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Again, I just had to want to round that out a little bit, but again, putting our our trust or our faith or lusting after or, or loving those things, those idols or those things that can lead us into sin are going to fade away. Leanne, you mentioned money. Money is one of those things that, that goes rather quickly. Inflation or no inflation, it tends to go very quickly, or it doesn't hold the same value. 
It's interesting, if you, I always kind of get a chuckle when you look back in time and you see what things used to cost. You know, the price of gas or the price of bread or whatever it is, the item, over time, it's now worth a lot more dollars-wise. It costs more, right? Because that price and the, the value of the money has faded. It's not as, as valuable. It's not as worth as much. It fades away. But God is the constant there. So those are a couple things not to love or not to invest in or not to spend a lot of time with. Let's go to some of the things that we are to invest in, some of the things, that, the opposite of that. So flip with me if you're reading through chapter 3. I didn't go too far this time. Again, it's more scriptures than I normally jump around in, but I, I also wanted to, to make sure we covered this well. And John is one of those key guys. In fact, he's the guy when it comes to love. If you're one that likes to do stats and things like that, John mentions love like 46 times. Paul is a close second, but John is the, the author in the, the Bible that talks about love the most. You know, he was loved by Jesus, and in turn, he loved others with that. He got that concept. And so he speaks often about love, and he does it throughout all of his chapters that he's written, the letters that he's written here. And 1 John is no different. Chapter 3 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, you can see where I got my title from, lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Again, he's talking about that, that lavishing here, that God lavished on us, right? That God gave us that opportunity, that ability to be saved, right? And it came out of love. We read that in John chapter 316, right? That love that he had for us, he gave us that son. And now we can be called children of God, right? Our, our faith is born out of that, and now that we are believers, now we are to be like Christ, and we are to love others. And I would challenge us this morning that we're not only to love others, but we're to love them lavishly. And that's, that's the basis for this, and Again, the world's not going to understand that. In fact, you don't have to go very far. If you even just Google love and what that means, you're going to go sideways pretty quickly. The world has really not a real good concept or even a, an idea what love is. It's forever people are chasing after that, that love. And what's portrayed as love in the world is nothing at all. It's, it's but a shadow at best. Again, the basis is all wrong. The, the heart is all wrong. It's twisted. Gets wrapped up into many other things. So the, the world doesn't know him. So verse 2, it says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and that we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, and for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as, as he is pure. Right? John got that message, right? He knows that, hey, we're not going to do it perfectly. Right? We're not there yet. We're, it's, it's a, we're a work in progress. Right? If there's anybody here that's perfect this morning, I hope I didn't offend you, but you're not there yet. You're still work, a work in progress. 
Somebody's chuckling back there. So someone maybe think they, for a moment, thought they were perfect, but no. But we say that, but sometimes I think we, we get defeated by that. Right? I'm, I'm a work in progress. But are we working to progress? Right? It's okay to be a work in progress, but are we progressing to work? Are we working on it? Are we, are we developing that relationship? Are we growing in that relationship with God? Are we doing the things that we need to do to grow? And I would dare say that love is one of those things that we need a lot of growth in. It's not easy to love, and it's not easy to love others. It is a difficult process. It's a a lifelong of loving. And I don't know that we're ever going to love perfectly, and Scripture kind of bears it out, love perfectly until we have that love of Christ. And we, we get to meet Christ, and we have those perfect bodies, and we are without sin. In fact, if you want to see your pastor go off or, or start twitching, start twitching. I, that, that phrase is not biblically found anywhere that we have to love ourselves, right? I hear that in the culture often, and usually what it's in reference to is, well, you know, I just need to love myself. I can't love anybody else until I love myself, and it becomes this inner circle, and they kind of spiral in, but it's, it's self-focus. And so you'll see me twitch because it just... It, it, it becomes self-defeating. And again, it's not what Christ says. I think one of the ways that we grow in our love is by loving others and putting it into practice. So, what does that love look like? Well, there's one chapter that you know that I in, enjoy. And if you thought we were not going to go to that chapter today, you'd be sadly mistaken. But we're going to jump all the way back or over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. right? Most everyone's dubbed that the, the love chapter. And if you go to a wedding, that's what you hear often is chapter 13, right? Usually that's, that's part of the ceremony somewhere in there. And, and I'm no different when I officiate. I quite often will use verses from there because it's good to know, right? It's good. It's helpful in a marriage relationship. But as you've probably heard before, though, it's not actually a marriage Prescription. It's actually written to the church in Corinth to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's how we love each other, how we do it amongst the body in a church setting. And so that puts a little more emphasis on it because obviously with our spouse, we, we, we get married because we love them, but we don't understand it all yet and we don't know how that all plays out. But how do we do that even with people that we may struggle with. I think, Joe, you mentioned that, right? There's sometimes it's, there's difficult people. They're not easy to love. And if we could be honest, there are days, I'll admit it just like Joe did, there are days that I am not very lovable. And it's hard, it's hard for people to love me. So chapter 13, we'll start in verse 1 and kind of run forward because it it shows here some of this love in action and some of the, again, it starts off with the, the wrong and then the right, but verse 13, uh, chapter 13, verse 1 says, If I speak in tongues of men of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, 
but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor and I give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Think love is important? Oh, yeah. Paul's writing this to the church to encourage him, right? He, he wants him to love. God wants us to love. But not just a superficial or a, a, a love, a general love, just a, a love like, oh, all right, I, I care. And again, we can become, we can loosen or cheapen that phrase, right? But I would subscribe to you that there's love that becomes more than that, love that becomes an action, Right? I used to tell men this, obviously, when we're doing premarital counseling. It's not one of those things you can just check off, right? Yep, I love my wife. I'm all set. It's good. In fact, I even told her today, I love you. Yep, I'm all set. I'm done. You wives know very quickly that doesn't last very long, right? The words sometimes don't even get off the end of your lips, and, and she probably is thinking, yeah, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling the love today. Right? right? Or your actions haven't shown me love, is how I would probably put it. I'm picking on guys because it's safer for me, but you ladies have the same struggle, right? Verse 4, number 1, I like to say, love is patient, right? To realize that being patient with someone is loving them. Being patient with them. Sometimes for me, it's waiting them out, not answering. That verse somewhere in James we talked about again, that something, 118, I believe it was, Bryce? Yeah. Right? Slow to speak. Quick to hear. Slow to become angry. Something like that. But waiting them out. Being patient with them. I find as I'm we're getting, PJ and I are getting older, and again, we've spent a lot of time together, but quite often she's, she's trying to tell me something, and, and, and I need to be patient because I'm, I'm trying to answer before she gets out what she's trying to tell me. And so I'm thinking ahead, and guess what? I get in trouble. I, I take and jump off one word she said or one thought, and she's got multiple thoughts going on. And she's smarter and thinking further ahead than me, but I'm stuck on number one. In fact, we even have a joke now. I'll even say, hey, you're shifting gears on me too fast. I can't keep up. Yeah, slow it down. Yeah. Help me out here. Right? What I really need to be is patient. I need to listen out, listen, listen to the end. Sometimes she just wants to express or just tell me what's been going on. She doesn't want an answer to it. And so being patient. That's just one of many examples. Right? But being patient, right? Being patient with people. Take it out of the marriage relationship, just being patient with each other, right? We're all at different spots. We're all at different areas of life. We're coming at things differently, and so we need to be patient with one another. We may not have been walking with the Lord as long, or we may have some struggles that are different, right? We need to be patient. Walking alongside, it may take some time to get there. So that's part of that, that showing love, that being a loving person is being patient. 
Now, if we just went home and just tried to be patient this week, that would be a great, great start. But guess what? That's only one element. That's only one part of love. And I can tell you, if you, even if you mastered that, say for a whole week, I was patient with my wife this week. We had no arguments. I was patient all the way through. If I don't do the other things, guess what? It doesn't communicate. Almost back to the beginning, it's like it was nothing. It's a great goal, but there's more to love than just being patient. Number two, love is kind. Again, in the context of the church, being kind. Again, in the context of the church, just being kind to each other. Part of being kind is caring, but also kind, is, again, it's an action. How can I communicate that kindness to one another? Right. Again, hopefully your wheels are turning a little bit, right? Saying, all right, how can I be kind? I know quite often when someone's in need, we, we rush pretty quick. We're, we do well with, with making meals or sending cards. And those are certainly, those are great steps in being kind. But how do we do that all the time, right? The, the challenge is, if I want to love lavishly, is to do it in those times when there's not a crisis. Challenges to do it in those times when there may not even be a need, but how do I be kind to that person? How do I reach out to them? How do I show them that love? Right? Not because they deserve it, not because they're in need, but just to love on them, to be kind to them when things are going well. It comes more of a challenge. Love does not envy, love does not boast, love is not proud. Those three all kind of go together, but I always say those three go together because they all focus on me, right? If I just focus on myself and not the other person, then I'm not helping them grow. I'm not showing love. I'm not communicating that. Flip those verses, right? It's showing that person that they are of value. They are of worth, right? Celebrating the things that are going on in their life. Not envying them, right? But hey, that's awesome. That's great. You ever been with that person that's always trying to outdo you? You can say, hey, I, you know, the, I, I'll use the Vikings for, I'll, I'll get the football in here, right? The Vikings won, right? They, they had the greatest comeback, right? You should celebrate that. But the other person who, who might be sour would say, well, why did they have to come back that much? Because their defense was so bad, right? Takes away from it, right? Well, that's true, too, who they were playing, right? See what I mean, though? That doesn't communicate love, right? Celebrate. Let them, let them have the moment, right? It, it, it's okay. Not putting myself ahead of them or, or trying to one-up them, right? Again, football, joking around, that, that, that can be part of it as well. But there are, you, you get the idea, the, the message of putting that other person Verse 5 says, love is not dishonest. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Whew. That's a hard one, right? right? Not self-seeking. Not loving to get. Right? Not loving you because I want something back from you. It does not communicate love at all. Right? I think I've shared this time in our life that I used to 
to, to, to think that being a good husband was I would love PJ. I would do a bunch of things for her. Her, her love language at the time was acts of service. I was like, oh, I got this one. I can do this. And so, you know, I would, I would do the dishes. I would take out the trash. I would do that little bit extra to try to communicate love. And then I would be disappointed, though, because I didn't, it wasn't reciprocated. Because my motivation was wrong, right? I was, I was loving her, but I was hoping to get something back in return. I was expecting a, a, at least an equal return for my investment. You want to use the financial, and guess what? It, in relationships, that doesn't work that way. And guess what? It's the wrong motivation, right? It's self-seeking. And I wish I could tell you I, I, did, I at least didn't get easily angered, but no, I did. I got frustrated. I got mad, and sometimes I would say, well, you know what? Why am I bothering doing this? It doesn't communicate love. Certainly not loving lavishly. Keeping records of wrong, right? Again, part of that love, keeping records of wrong. It's, it's amazing to us whenever we get in a, a conflict or an argument, we, I, I always say we become lawyers in a hurry, right? We, we bring out the list, right? Here's the record. You've always done this, or you never do this. In fact, I done enough marriage counseling to know those words are, are kind of like flashing red lights. Whoops, wait a minute. Is that really true? Do they always do this? Right? Or do they never, do they never do that? No. All right, then let's bring this back a little bit. But keeping that record, right? Certainly that record when we sin against each other or even when we apologize, there should be no longer kept against us, not held against us. Right? Because it makes us bitter, it makes us angry, and it makes us like, all right, I'm just waiting for them to fail, right? And if they do, I'm going to clobber them. I've got it. I've, I've got them. I think we even mentioned that yesterday, right? You can be wrong, you can be right, but say it the wrong way and still be wrong. I think I followed that right. But keeping records of wrong is not showing love. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. And loving is fairly self-evident, but again, it's kind of that, that sharing with each other and, and, and loving them through, right? I always, uh, the delight in evil always kind of reminds me of that, that person that, that, you know, they, they're doing the wrong thing, you see it, and they end up in a consequence or a situation and saying, well, at least I'm not as bad as them, or at least I didn't do it and ended up in the same way. Right? Delighting in their failure. That's not love, right? It's really my pride's getting in the way, and I'm stepping on that person to somehow weird way to try to elevate myself. But that's not love, right? And then rejoices in the truth, right? Rejoices when things go well in that truth. Lastly, here as we kind of bring it around, it says, Love always protects. Love always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. And if I was going to pull that into the Charlie version of this, I would say that love would ride the day. Right? Because I love you, I'm going to, you can fill in the blank. Right? I'm going to persevere over time. I'm going to love you through 
even those difficult circumstances, even those times when it's tough, even when you're not very lovable, I'm still going to love you through it, right? I'm going to persevere through that. In fact, I might even, if, if I'm having a hard time loving you, I might even need to think about stepping it up a little bit and love you even more, right? Go out of my way. So we've talked about love this morning, right? Certainly don't want to take anything away from God's love for us, but with that love that God's given us, how can we pour that out on one another? And hopefully I've encouraged this morning to to take an inventory. How am I doing in loving my brothers and sisters in Christ? How am I doing loving those in my family? How am I doing loving my, my spouse, my friends? How am I doing in that? Am I loving lavishly? It's a thought for this morning and my prayer for us all this morning. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, as you've loved on us, Lord, with the greatest gift, we don't want to take anything away from that, Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you for the means of our salvation. Lord, may this encourage us to love others with the same love that you've given us. Lord, show us the ways that we can communicate and put that love into action in our relationships. Help us to grow in those areas, Lord, where we need to grow. Lord, we thank you for the love that you've given us so that we may be even capable of loving others. We ask this all in Jesus' name.